Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday night teaching time. Thanks for joining us. We're in part five of Lessons from Heaven for Life on Earth, the parables. And tonight, probably the best known parable that Jesus ever told, the parable of the soils. And I'm calling it four people who went to church because all of these people had exposure to the word. I can't prove they were in church, of course, but that's the title. Matthew 13, 1 to 9. Get a Bible. Let's study together. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. The two words that I've come to believe set the stage for interpreting this parable properly are the first two words of verse one, where it says, well, the first three words, that same day. Everything else follows that same day. What day are we talking about? And it was the same day containing the events of chapter 12 of Matthew's gospel. And so we've been studying in recent weeks the parables of judgment primarily, different aspects of the end of the age, the conclusion of the kingdom when Jesus comes again. We looked at the five wise and five foolish bridesmaids and the ones that didn't have enough oil, how they're locked out at the end. We looked at the parable of the talents, how the one talent person hid it in the ground. And when the master comes back and reckons with them, he receives judgment. Then we looked at specifically not a parable, but Jesus teaching Matthew 25 when he comes back at the end of the age and how people will be judged. This is different. Now we're going to study the entrance of the kingdom, the beginning of it, the growth of it. Matthew 13 deals with how the kingdom starts in our lives. And the parable we're studying today, the main point is, is pretty simple. The seed sown is the word of the kingdom, the gospel, the message of the kingdom. You get that in verses 19 and 22 of our text. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So Jesus tells us what the seed is and does not understand it. The evil one come and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Or look at 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. So the seed is the word, the message of the kingdom, the word. But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves 
unfruitful. So, so the word um, doesn't have the same effect in every life. That's the point of this parable. The potential for the word to produce change and fruit is going to be determined by the readiness of the soil, the soil that hears the message of the gospel, the message of the kingdom. Now, back to those first three words in verse 1. That same day. So, Matthew wants us to understand that this teaching from Jesus about the seed being the word and landing in different hearts and not producing the same effect in every heart, that idea coming from Jesus didn't just pop out of thin air. It came because of events that happened in chapter 12 that same day. He had encountered rugged opposition to everything he was saying that same day. That opposition it's recorded in Matthew chapter 12. And when you look back, you'll, you'll see Jesus performed miracles, okay? Great miracles the same day he gave the parable of the sower. People saw the power of Jesus manifested. The people wouldn't believe him, though. They wouldn't believe him even though he worked wonders right in front of their eyes. The people asked him for greater signs, more signs. But they wouldn't hear his words that same day, 13.1. This is the very same day Jesus had to warn the religious leaders about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, attributing his works to Satan, the unpardonable sin. That was that very same day that Jesus gave this parable. So, what Matthew wants us to understand is this very same day, in word, in miraculous deed, Jesus was scattering seed of the kingdom all over the place. People had wonderful opportunities that same day. People had all sorts of proof that same day. People heard some of the greatest words ever uttered that same day. They saw Jesus stretch forth his hand and heal that same day. But many of them refused to hear. They refused to see. And that's where the parable of the soil fits in. Jesus had some pretty scathing words of judgment that have troubled a lot of people. Matthew 13, if you jump down to verse 10, so after giving the parable of the soils, look at verse 10, then the disciples come, they said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Verse 11, and he, that's Jesus, answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Well, that doesn't sound very fair, does it? Keep reading. 12, for to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. Now look at these words, they're very telling. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. Remember, that same day, all the things Jesus had done. Seeing, they do not see. Hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. 14. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, quote, You will indeed hear, but never understand. 
you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown, it didn't happen overnight, had grown dull. With their ears, they can barely hear. With their eyes, they have closed. Why? Well, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. Now, most of us, let me just a little a little diversion here just for a second. Most of us who've received our theological education in the past, oh, 75, 80 years, have been raised in a school of biblical interpretation that's known as dispensationalism. If you've never heard about it, don't worry about it. I just want to give a quick little insight. This is the idea that God has had and still has two distinct peoples. Jews and Christians, and he has two distinct ways of dealing with them. The key verse for this theological system is verse 11. And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. And so dispensationalists believe that Jesus in verse 11 is saying, I'm telling you guys this explanation. I don't want anyone else to know because this isn't for the Jewish age. These ideas are for the church age. And so I'm hiding the meaning of these truths from them in parables. If you've kind of cut your teeth reading the Schofield Reference Bible, this, is, this was in all the study notes. This was the teaching. You've been taught that you have to be very careful to divide the message, especially in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the Synoptics especially, That for you, it has been given, meant for the Jews. And usually in this system, the Sermon on the Mount isn't for the church. It's for the Jewish age. Much of the teaching about Jesus about the end of the age is given for the Jews. It has nothing to do with the church. Now, I don't believe any of that personally. I'm not a dispensationalist. I think it's a poor system because I think it's a grid that you're forcing on the text rather than taking from the text. Okay, don't worry about all of that. Jesus tells us why his words were hidden from so many in parables. He tells us why. If you look at 12 to 15, for to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why. He's telling us, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they don't see. Hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, saying, well, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull With their ears, they can barely hear. and their eyes, they have closed. They did it. They have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart. And I would heal them. No hesitancy on the part of Jesus. I would heal them. So we need to remember the events of this very day to see what Jesus had in mind when he spoke those words. I mean, the idea in this parable is if people didn't... uh, respond to and embrace the truth that he gave them, well, then they would lose the opportunity to receive anything more. That's in that verse 12. 
the religious people, the people who should have known the most, the people with all the prophecies about the coming Messiah, the people who should have known the most, had taken his works of healing and deliverance and attributed them to Satan rather than accept them. So Jesus was surrounded by people who only wanted to see him do neat stuff, solve their problems, but couldn't care less about his authority over their lives. And so Jesus is very clear in his words on this subject. That's why in verse 13, verse 13, he doesn't just say these people don't see. No, no, no. He's very careful to say, seeing they do not see. They're not blind. And he doesn't just say they don't hear him. He says, hearing, they do not hear. So these aren't people that lacked information. It was right there. They saw it, they heard it, but but they didn't see it and they didn't want to hear it. So they didn't just lack information. It wasn't that they lacked opportunity. These are people who have rejected everything about Jesus. I mean, that's, that's the clear meaning of Jesus' words quoted from the prophet Isaiah in verse 15. Let me read them one more time. He says, quoting Isaiah, For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn. That means Repent. And I would heal them. And so, just so we get the picture, Jesus gathers his disciples around him and he explains the meaning of this parable to them. And here's why he does that. He explains the meaning to them because they're going to need this. He's soon going to ascend, he will send out his disciples with the very same message that Jesus himself was carrying. And just as he saw the different results to his own proclamation, and just as Jesus saw the crowds thinning out when he pressed the demands of his kingdom rule and reign, in the same way, Jesus is bracing them, preparing them for the same kind of response. Not everyone's going to love what they say. And, and, and we need to think about that because there is such a tendency today to measure the success of a church by the popularity of a church. If it just, if it just ties in sweetly and neatly with everything about the surrounding culture and people just feel at home, there's a tendency to think there that there's a church that's really contextualizing well because nobody's getting miffed or offended at the message. Jesus is saying the exact opposite. Jesus is saying one in four received his words carefully and I'm sending you out and, and it's going to be the same for you. So that's the important point there. All right, we're almost two thirds through. I just have two thoughts from the parable itself. I want to, we'll do this again next Sunday night. Point number one. Fruit will only come from the seed sown in the heart. Remember, the seed is the word. Mark records this even more directly in Mark 4, 14, 
where in Jesus' parable, Jesus says, the sower sows the word. So no mistaking. There's nothing debating, nothing debatable there. The seed is the word. And Jesus is saying, in my life, in your life, everything starts with seed. So the soils vary clearly in the parable, but the seed is the same. It's not better seed in one heart than another. Even in the very best soil, nothing will germinate without without the seed. Everything starts. Everything in your life starts with the truth of the word. No growth without it. Now, imagine the foolishness of a farmer. Farmer comes complaining about the barrenness of his land. I grew up on the prairies all my younger years. And so a farmer comes to you and he says, I've, I've borrowed a small fortune to buy this land and the previous owner told me it was good soil. But I think he lied because I've worked the soil. I've irrigated it. I've invested in the best fertilizers known to science. I've been spraying insecticide and pesticide. I've, I've worked from sunrise until it was dark. And I'm telling you, nothing will grow on that land. And you say to your farmer friend, well, boy, that's very odd. I know the guy that sold you that farm, and I, I, can't, I can't imagine him tricking you or lying to you. I can't imagine that you'd get nothing for all your efforts. What did you plant? Plant, the guy says. Well, yeah, what seed did you sow? Seed? I didn't know you had to put seed in the soil. Well, if you want to harvest, you do have to plant. True, as Jesus will show in this parable, there are a lot of other factors as well. But for sure, nothing is going to happen without seed. Something has to be planted. Something has to be sown. Here's the problem. See, what is obvious, ridiculously obvious in farming is far less obvious in spiritual growth. That there's a problem that we all face. People aren't as interested in sowing as they are in harvesting when they think of their hearts and their walk with Jesus. Look what's happening. People, I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm talking pre-pandemic. Churches have less and less services. People want to go less and less. They want shorter sermons, more interesting talks. They don't want to spend a lot of time studying deep truths in Scripture, doctrinal stuff, books of the Bible. They're, they're too busy with other things to spend extended times in prayer and meditation. But they want good marriages. They want their kids following Jesus. They want to prosper in their business. Harvesting, we like Sowing, not so much. And people tend not to see their problems until they start to harvest weeds instead of fruit. And then usually we, we want a solution to the problem and we want it right now without addressing the neglect of the word that led to those problems in the first place. That's the first great 
lesson and the first, I think, subtle warning of Jesus in this parable. Let nothing but the word of God take center place in your life. Do your best studying there. Give the most time there. Do your deepest thinking there. Let no other authority, no other custom, or the pressure of the crowd. Don't let those things steer your life. Don't let your friends steer your life. Root yourself, renew your mind, regulate your actions with divine revelation, the seed. It'll work. You know these words, Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. That stuff is all over the place. But his, his delight, notice delight, is in the law of the Lord. And, and on his law, he meditates day and night. And he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit. Remember the parable? That yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. We know it. I mean, the counsel of the ungodly, it is everywhere. It crops up in Jesus' parable. It crops up like weeds and thorns. And, and Jesus said clearly those things will choke out the place of the word if you're not very careful. But the seed, the word of truth, properly heard, cherished, meditated on, embraced, yielded to. And whatever he does, he prospers. That's because, like seed, it, it, it multiplies. Hear it well, it'll multiply. One more thought, and we're done. Point number two. Now you start to analyze the parable a little bit. We'll do it next week as well. The word will lose its power in my life if I become too entrenched in my own stubborn patterns of living. You don't have to be an atheist. You just become too entrenched in your own stubborn patterns of living. Matthew 13, 3 and 4, you start to analyze the parable a bit here. And he told them many things in parables saying... A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, pathway, some translations say, and the birds came and devoured them. Uh, look at 18 and 19. Hear then the parable of the sower. Now Jesus is giving the explanation to his disciples. 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, snatches away what has been sown on his heart. It's, it's, it's not that the enemy will keep you from going to church and sitting through a sermon or a Bible study. That's not the point. The point is, what he will do is immediately after the benediction and someone says, amen, what Satan wants is, I don't want that word lingering in your mind. Turn it off. Find something else to think about immediately. And he snatches it away. Jesus says the enemy, here's, this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to keep this from taking root in here. 
That's all Satan does all the time. He will, he works to destroy the authority of God's word. Think of the very first words of Satan to Eve to ruin her life. He comes and says, did God say, did he actually say that? It's his word. Don't believe it. Don't cherish it. Don't listen to it. He hasn't changed in his tactic. These people weren't, you know, stupid. It wasn't that they couldn't grasp the, the message was too complicated, the verbs, the nouns, the adjectives too involved. No, no, no. It was a different kind of problem altogether. Jesus said their hearts had grown dull. In the parable, he says people's lives can become hard to God's word, like a path that's been packed down, walked on over and over and over, and nothing will grow there. And the seed of the word is just one more thing, bouncing off that busy thoroughfare in the heart. Remember, Jesus isn't dealing with atheists. He's, he's talking about how people give their attention to the word. He's talking about crowds of people who have had exposure to the word. That's why I said the four people who went to church. He's saying, hearing God's word is going to be a fruitless experience for many people because maybe while their bodies are in church, they've already become distracted and cluttered in their affections, in their ambitions, in their aspirations, their relationships, their recreation. Jesus said you got to be really careful because you, you, can, you, can, you can hear without hearing. Having ears, they hear, but they don't, they don't hear. Eyes, they see, but, but they don't see. This, it can sneak up on you. And, and you, you, you think you're still hearing because you have ears, but that's not the same as letting it shape and mold your heart. So in the mind of Jesus, here's the first obstacle. If you want to hear God's word unto fruitfulness, the danger is kind of a, a lazy, distracted, indifferent kind of hearing. The word needs to penetrate my heart the way seed gets into soil. The word can't just land on my ears. This, this takes work, but it's rewarding. It's rewarding. It takes more work the longer I have followed Jesus, probably because there's more and more things that I just assume I already know. And so it's easy to hear the word lightly. Oh yeah, I've heard that before, I think. Self-reliance can creep in. So, here's the message. Stay, stay attentive. Just stay at the feet of Jesus. Stay in the word. Give it first place in your heart. Um, read it slowly. Think it through slowly. And, and keep, it, keep it active in your mind while you're doing other things so you can see how your lifestyle is being shaped by the influence of the word. And here's the deal. You, uh, I don't care where you are right now, how you assess your spiritual life, this seed will 
make you grow. You can't help but be fruitful there. Let's make sure we do it, eh? God bless you, church. Thank you, Lord, for the rich teaching of these parables. We've heard the parable of the soil since we were kids, some of us, anyway. And I just pray that in Cedarview Community Church, there will never uh, settle on this place any kind of a fatigue with, with pouring over the word, the words that God has given us. Let our lives just ongoingly be shaped and transformed. Let us, let us week by week, day by day, let us find our delight in the law of the Lord. I ask it in Jesus' name, and I thank you. Amen. Bless your church. Love one another.